Hey everyone, this is Dr. Tim Cummings. And this is Dr. Jess Cummings. And this is the Healthy Kansas City Podcast. All right, in episode one, we interview Karen Huey of Team Cura. And this was just a great interview. Karen is a lifelong learner educator and fitness enthusiast. She has a Master of Human Resources and Labor Relations from Michigan State University. She's worked in a variety of HR roles for Fortune 100 companies to small organizations. However, she's always been drawn to the education and training aspect of HR. She's an adjunct college instructor and teaches business communication and human relations. Currently, she's the founder of two companies. KRHR is an HR advising firm. And Team Kira is an education company that trains athletes for life. Karen was active as a child. She played a variety of sports, including high school tennis. For her entire adult life, she's been an avid runner and has never had a running injury. She attributes that longevity to her purposeful training routine that includes a variety of workouts and cross training. Yeah, and this was such a fun conversation for us, especially for our first episode to have somebody who's so dynamic as Karen on. I think the thing that Uh, all of our listeners are going to love is the fact that this conversation ranges from the personal to the professional. And as physical therapists, I think it's really fascinating. And people ask us all the time, you know, how we train and how we keep ourselves healthy. And Karen, not having that exercise science background really breaks it down in a way that I think is very easy to understand. And is a lot of fun to listen to just how she came about the things that she loves to do, Uh, the things that really keep her healthy through three plus decades, which is no small feat um, in terms of being physically active. The stat is that 80% of runners, right, are going to um, have an injury that is going to take them out of running for a certain period of time. At least two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, her story is just really phenomenal because this is what we preach at Restore Thrive. This is what we tell all of our clients that, you know, hey, this is what we should be training for so that we can be active, so that we can play our sport, so we can do all the things that we want to do in life, um, hopefully with much, you know, less risk of injury. And Karen is just really that, you know, prime example of what we preach here, that this is possible. If you cross train, if you do a variety of things, you can continue to do the one thing that you really love and be successful at that and not have these injuries, you know, regularly, which we see so often runners, we treat these things all the time. So her story really, I, I just think it's very valuable. And I think that um, for all of our listeners, for you know those of you who are runners, this is really going to speak to you um, and give you some tips and tricks on how to avoid these injuries so you can keep running throughout the year. Absolutely. And the other thing that's great about this episode is we go from that, which is, I think, very personally applicable to everyone to talking to us as parents and as people who are raising youngsters as well, who have aspirations to get into college, to play at a competitive level in that college atmosphere. And we talk about not really what it takes from a physical perspective, but what are all the other skill sets that you need to have to really succeed in college athletics, which I think was a real eye opener because I think a lot of people like Karen talks about thinks that as long as you've got the talent and the highlight tape, like the coaches are going to come calling and it's like, well, the talent may get you in the door, but it's your ability to present yourself as a young adult who is able to 
manage the other areas of their life and present themselves well, that really makes a difference for these coaches. Coaches are really tuning into that now at that college level in terms of the type of athlete that they're looking for. So I think there's a lot of great takeaways in terms of Karen's professional work with Team Cura in particular, um, which will be really fun for people to, to listen to. And then the website is such a great resource um, that they have as well. So that'll be something worth checking out that you can find in the show notes as well. So yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Karen and yeah, have fun. Well, Karen, we are super excited to have you on the Healthy Kansas City podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. You have an amazing story being just a lifelong athlete, an avid runner who's never been injured, correct? Knock on wood. That's correct. <laughs> so we are thrilled. Like, this is what we preach at Restore Thrive, that you should be able to grow strong and age gracefully. So we are just thrilled to hear your story, excited for you to share it with the world. So we'll let you take it from here. If you want to start kind of with your um, athletic life, you know, what you started with as a kid and just kind of the progression from there, we'll let you take it from here. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. I'll try to keep it pretty brief, but you know, as a, as a child growing up, I was always active, always running around the neighborhood playing. It was back in the day when everybody could do that and parents didn't worry about it. The nostalgia we hear now where you left and you know, you came home for dinner or when the streetlights came on. Um, then, you know, as I got older, still, we were always bike riding. We were always, you know, at the pool swimming, always something going on. And then I played tennis in high school after playing a few different sports. So being active was always a part of growing up. So I think that made it a lot easier to continue to be active, you know, into adulthood. Um, but yeah, that's really on that just a little bit. Um, you know, were you involved in specific athletic events through the city as a kid, or was it just leisure and playing with friends and things like that? Um, when I was younger, a lot of leisure and playing with friends, uh, riding my big wheel around on the driveway, you know, riding my bike, uh, we, you know, play kickball and all those kind of things. And I, you know, joined some different clubs. Like I was in the track club when I was in, you know, middle elementary school age. Um, all right, this is kind of hilarious. You can't see me, but I'm only five foot one. And I was not very tall at all as a kid growing up, obviously never got tall. Um, but I was, uh, I was in the Elks Club. Have you heard of the Elks Clubs? Like the, no. and all those Elks. Yeah. So they had, and I don't know if they still have them. They had these hoop shoot free throw contests. I was a free throw shooter, which was good because nobody could block me, you know, when, when, <laughs> right. And, uh, I won the state championship when I was 10. So nice. not a lot of cardio with that, but I practiced a lot. So it's just a real variety. And then, yeah, started playing tennis when I was 10, you know, lessons and, and play, and then, you know, got into it uh, more competitively in junior high school and high school, you know, on those teams. That was really the only sport that I played um, in, in junior high and high school. Um, played a little bit of golf, but tennis and golf didn't really mix. And none of my friends, my girlfriends, played golf. So much to my parents' dismay, I didn't really play much golf until I graduated from, from college. Okay. Cool. That, that's really cool. So that, that kind of reminds me of, you know, definitely my childhood. And I think, yeah, something that, that we're not seeing as much now, which we can get into later, that idea of just playing, you know, for the sake of playing, not for like winning, not trying to impress a coach, like, you know, just 
getting out with your friends and like, yeah, having some fun. That That's the things I think I savor most from my childhood is all those memories and times of like playing pickup basketball in the driveway and riding bikes with my friends and playing like street baseball and things like that. It was like, I had as much fun doing that, I think, as I ever did like in competitive athletics. So that's pretty cool. And that's, that's one of the things we see too. I think the research is starting to really get clear on that as far as like the more diverse your athletic background is as a kid the better athlete you are later in life too because it's like you build a movement vocabulary you know that's very you know really varied if you play a bunch of different sports like you're talking about so and it was the same with me I played city leagues so you know I it terrifies me because we've got three kids and I hear from parents that we treat who are our clients and you know their kids are starting club now at eight nine, 10 years old. And I'm terrified for them because we see that, you know, they get specialized in just that one sport. It's year round, there's no breaks. And then they have these, uh, you know, overuse injuries. And so for me, it was a lot of um, city leagues in various sports. Also like you, I did not specialize until middle school and high school. And in middle school, I was still two sport athlete. I played volleyball and basketball. And then in high school, it was just volleyball. And I didn't start club until my sophomore year. And my freshman year of high school, I had a fantastic strength training coach. So that was required for volleyball. And I'm so thankful because I see a lot of women who have never strength trained before. They aren't versed in it, but they need it. And that's a lot of their issue. And fortunately, I have that background. I did not injure myself at all my entire life until I was 18. And I just sprained ankles. But I had a bunch of ankle sprains back, you know, back to back. I wasn't told to go to rehab. So sprained it. It was weak didn't rehab, went back too soon, sprained it again, and it started this vicious cycle. But that was also after three years of playing kind of a year-round sport. And I kind of look back and wonder, would I have started to have more injuries had I continued playing into college? At least, you know, one sport without a lot of cross-training. I don't know. That's a, I guess, question to be determined. But um, I'm, I'm really thankful for my background. So um, tell me about running with you. So when did running come into the picture? Uh, I always hated running growing up. I mean, <laughs> running around playing sports, but just running for the sake of running, I did not like at all. But freshman year of college, I went off and decided to be like all the other freshmen and gain the freshman 15. And this was back in the day before all these colleges and universities had fabulous fitness centers and state-of-the-art equipment and everything. I mean, we had nothing, nothing at all. There was a swimming pool on campus because I took a water safety instruction class, but we couldn't even go to swim laps or anything, which is odd now that I think about it. So I said, well, I've got to do something. So I started running and I did not like it at all. But I started and I started slowly, just a little bit, because when you don't like it, you don't want to do much of it. But, you know, a little bit more. And with for me, running is the quickest way to take off weight. So I saw mm -hmm. pretty quick, you know, improvement. Like, oh, this isn't so bad. So I started running a little bit further, a little bit further. Pretty soon I was probably up to, well, at the time, it was hard to track how far you were going. So I'm not sure how far it was really running. We didn't have all the devices we have today. I was probably running five, six miles and dropped to 15 and got hooked. And I've loved running ever since. Nice. So, so once you kind of shifted into that running mode, what were, were there other things that changed just in terms of like how you cared for yourself or was like running just kind of the main thing that you did? At 18 running was just the thing I did. I still didn't eat that well. You're on mm -hmm. campus. So you're only going to select certain foods and 
Yeah, yeah. It, it was running was really the main objective to take off that weight gain that I had. Um, mm-hmm. Yet I accomplished it, but then I realized I needed to continue to stay active to maintain that because you know I liked to eat and I like occasional ice cream and you know mm-hmm. of course when I turned twenty one I would drink beer or things like that. Not before, of course, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know like any college student. So yeah, it was you know your typical college eating habits were not good. I hadn't really started to look at food and nutrition the way that I look at it now. You know, I was just, you know, when you're young, you can get away with it. And I oh, did. yeah. Your buffer's so wide when you're young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It didn't, Those... didn't really matter what you did the day or night before. It's <laughs> like you could show up the next morning and just do about whatever you wanted to do. So, yeah, and those Domino's pizzas at 2 a.m., they didn't <laughs> the same way they would today. That would be a really bad idea to yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we we've experienced the same thing as we've got older and, you know, I know, you know, you, you guys had kids and, and, you know, with our kids, that's the thing we noticed too. It's like when the sleep, you know, started to get a little lean and stress level rose a little bit and we got into professional life. It's like, man, the, all that margin we had for the, those things that we did in high school just disappeared. So yeah, buffer wasn't quite what it was when we were much younger. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in college, it sounds like, you know, you ran a lot. What happened after college? I mean, you, you didn't injure yourself during that time, the four years that you were in school. So what happened after that? I was fortunate that not too long after um, getting out of college, I did start to get an interest in doing different things um, for a couple of reasons. I lived in Michigan and it's not a good place to run in the wintertime. Mm. Mm-hmm. college I could go over the field house that was the only thing we had uh, because I, I transferred to a different school so we had this big field house with an indoor track so I could run all winter in college after college I couldn't do that so I said well I, mean, I guess I should go check out the gym and see what we can do there and I forgot I had played a little racquetball you know in junior high and high school and so there was a club that they also incorporated in a to a bit of a fitness center gym and um, uh, aerobics classes so I started going there and I really liked it because I started getting the variety and, you know, some people were talking about lifting weights. Well, that might be a good idea. Maybe I should check that out. And pretty soon, you know, I was doing a little bit of that, not really knowing what I was doing. There were some exercise classes. I mean, this was pre before all the fancy classes. So it was basically high impact aerobics. That's all we had. Mm. But I wanted a pretty intense workout. And, you know, sometimes the instructors didn't have really good music that were high intensity and we didn't work as hard as I wanted to. So I said, well, maybe I can become an instructor and then I can choose the music I want and the intensity. Oh, you got paid for it too. Okay, great. <laughs> Aerobics instructor, just so I could pick the music. And then it was nice because we had a really great group that worked there, personal trainers and the fitness instructors. So I got to be friends with a couple of the guys and they, they were really helpful and showing me the proper ways to lift and hmm. take days off. And it, it, so I really learned a lot from them. And I started getting kind of hooked on that too. So I thought, this is good. And so at this point, you know, I'm doing some running in the summertime. I would do some uh, bike riding, you know, from my childhood, I'd always been bike riding. So I'd do some of that. Winter time, I would stop running completely. I never have had an interest in running on a treadmill, so I don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. Then I do those fitness classes and lift weights in the winter time. And uh, kind of a funny story, um, step aerobics, when that first was introduced, mm-hmm. we didn't have the really cool step benches that Reebok makes. Uh, we used milk crates, if you can believe it. Can't believe the gym would even <laughs> let us do that and take on the liability, but we stepped 
down on milk crates and started <laughs> stuff aerobics. So I'm dating oh, myself. It, it was it was bad, but yeah, that's really at that point I started really mixing it up, and I liked the variety because I would start getting bored of doing any one thing for too long. So that mm. worked well. I had my natural season break, and I had my outdoor activities and my indoor activities, and mm-hmm. that really really well. Huh, that's really cool. I. I think in this day and age, there's so few people who take that like seasonal approach to activity, you know, and kind of just work, you know, the milk crate thing is hilarious. We tell people that all the time. It's like, you know, you don't have to have like, you know, the fanciest gym to like get a decent workout. And it's like, you just have to use your imagination a little bit, but that that's really cool. I, I think is, you know, because we've talked before and we know a little bit about your story as far as like, you know, how healthy you've been able to keep yourself. That's one of the things. I find we argue with, you know, especially our runners the most. It's like, you probably need to do more than just run, you know, like it, it's, you know, a very kind of just like monostructural, like, you know, kind of single sport sort of deal. And it's like, we know that most people, even professional athletes, you know, have time off, but it seems like runners in particular are, they're a very kind of hardy and stubborn breed. (laughs) I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some of the worst um, because, you know, while I was, starting to get involved in the fitness activities and all of that. I, you know, I was working my first job out of college and met some friends in town. And so my friend Lonnie said, well, do you want to run a 5k race? I said, well, I've never run a 5k race. How far is that? You know, I hadn't done the conversion 3.1 miles. So I can do that. That's, that's no big deal. So she said, it's a really great race. It's a women's only race. And they get like a thousand, 1500 women come out to run. I mean, a while ago before racing, running races became such a big thing. And so, okay, great. And it was in October. And so I went and got some cool weather running gear. I really was not a cool weather runner. When it got cold, I went inside. And I remember it was a really, it's Michigan, right? And it was October. And I got up that morning and it was getting ready to do some spitting rain. And it was cold. And I called her up. I'm like, well, Lonnie, of course they're canceling the race, right? She's like, oh, no, no, no. The race is going on. I said, what? I don't know about this. You know, it's not very nice out. Come on, you got to go. You're signed up. So I went. It was so much fun. I think they had their record turnout. They had 1,800 people, all women, show up for this race. Then I got hooked on running races because that was the most empowering event I'd ever been to. And it was a little 5K, you know, no big deal. So that was, that was fine. And so then I got hooked on the races and, you know, a lot of 5Ks. And at the time, it was great because they had really good sweat. You'd get really nice sweatshirts in the cold weather. You know, we'd yeah. sign long sleeve shirts and and then I started getting a little bit faster because I was a wee bit competitive so I started keeping track of you know how far I was running how I was feeling what the temperature was out and I went to look because I used to have these paper logs that I would get from Runner's World magazine when you subscribe to Runner's World they would send you this little book and you write everything down I looked for it, I tried to find it and I couldn't and I was like, oh, darn. But just for you two, I thought we were actually live video, but I got to show you. I do still have my Sony Walkman. Oh, uh, there it is, man. I, I love that. I remember <laughs> that. That was like my childhood. <laughs> You'd run, and this thing is huge, and it's heavy, although some of the cell phones now are almost as big. Yeah. Oh that was the other thing. I had to have my music because we get the beat back to uh-huh. the aerobics classes, right? Got to have the beat. Yeah. And and back then they would let you run with music and races. You could bring dogs. I mean, it was pretty much a free fall back then. So yeah, 
just, I, I ran a ton of races. I started getting better. I started placing in my age groups and I had to train even more and all of that. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, we lived in Michigan for quite a while, um, went to graduate school, did a bunch of things, but still, you know, had a couple of kids, went back to graduate school again after having two kids, but I still was running and doing this seasonal training during all of this. Cause that's what kept my energy level up. And at that point I was completely hooked. It, it was never a question of, if I would work out as well, when or what time or how do I fit it in? Um, mm -hmm. To this day, when I pack to go on vacation, the first things that go into my suitcase are my running shoes and my workout clothes. Yeah. I love to hear that because that's the thing that people miss the most. Like vacation is I'm just going to lay around, which is, you know, fair enough. That's okay too. And it's okay for us to have rest. Um, and women, like for me, I've had an, a history of autoimmune issues, which is a lot of our clients as well. And so there's a time and a place to rest too. But talk to me a little bit about when you became a mom and how your routine changed and how you kept, kept up your fitness, because it sounds like that was a priority for you, which we feel it should be. And we, we both have done that through having three kids, working 10 hour shifts um, for somebody else, and then transitioning to owning a business, working two jobs. <laughs> um, and that's what we preach to our clients as well. Like we feel that is so important and I think it can be done and it's different for everybody because everyone has different work schedules, um, different family situations, different types of uh, spousal support too. Um, so yeah, what was your experience with that? Yeah, uh, again, it just, I figured out how to fit it in. So um, I, had both, I have two children, they're 20 months apart. And at the time, well, both pregnancies, I worked for Nabisco, you know, Oreos, Chips Ahoy, all of that. And it's called door store delivery. So literally I would take the orders and then either my merchandisers would go in and stock the shelves or I would go in and stock the shelves. So if you've ever seen the people, you know, stocking shelves of the cookies, the, the soda companies and the beer companies do it too. They've sent their own people in. So, you know, I'm eight months pregnant and I'm schlepping around boxes of stuff. <laughs> you know, I was very fortunate. I had a, a doctor who's a female doctor and she's like, we're going to be working until the day you're going to be delivering. There's none of this going out early and all mm -hmm. of that. And she said, the only thing I had to do was quit lifting more than 20 pounds, which was a pain. I usually lift three 20 pound boxes at a time. So I have to carry one and then the next, it was not very efficient, but it was, so that was always very active. And I kept teaching aerobics. She was like, yeah, that's fine. You can do that. Um, the only thing that was tough after I had my daughter, it was still back in the day when they were very, very cautious about women getting back into exercising too quickly. Hmm. I had a C-section. So I think it was like six weeks. They told me I couldn't do anything. And I, it was awful, just awful. Mm -hmm. um, then slowly they'd let me start walking and doing a little bit. And, you know, by the time, I don't even remember how long, because I try to put that horrible memory out of my mind. <laughs> You know, then I worked back up to, and I was always really smart about working up slowly uh, with distances. Because at that point, I was probably the longest distance runs, you know, like races I was doing were 10-mile runs. Mm. So, you know, again, you have to do a little planning, a little training. You don't just go out and run 10 miles if you want to stay injury-free. And Tim, you were mentioning, you know, that runners, especially in the overuse and the injuries, that's when I started mm. seeing a lot of runners who, you know, I get kind of bored when you're running it. 10 miles. So I'd talk to people if they'll talk to me. Some of them, they're just look straight ahead. I want nothing to do with you. Some of them talk to you and they're like, oh gosh, I'm just coming back after an injury and I was out for three months. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to the gym tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so I kept doing that. 
and so of course after my first child I had to get the baby joggers so I could put the baby in and we went jogging so that worked out great and mm -hmm. we didn't really have to skip a beat um, and then I had my son 20 months later uh, this was better because they let you go back to working out much faster only 20 months later and the medical professionals had really changed their ideas around that so pretty quickly I got back into it but I had to buy the double wide baby jogger side so two of them and then it wasn't aligned right so I was always having to to it, try to go to the left and I'm pushing it to the right so I got an upper body workout at the same time trying to push two kids the right way yeah um, yeah but I kept teaching aerobics during all this and had my kids and after I had my my second I quit working full-time and I went back to graduate school. I already had one master's, so I, I was going to get another one. And so I was teaching at the college level. I was teaching aerobics, and I was commuting to Michigan State, which was a 65-mile one-way trip from where I lived to take my graduate school classes. Uh, but luckily, I was still getting paid to teach aerobics, so I definitely got that workout in and um, just somehow fit it all in. Isn't that amazing? I feel like People always ask us that too, how do you run a business with your kids? You work from home. And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> you just we do just, it. We do. Like yeah. we've adapted. We, every day is different, but we just roll with it. And I feel like that's kind of what you have to do. It's amazing what we can accomplish. Well, something yeah, I when think, you say, oh, go yeah, ahead. What I was going to say about you, Karen, I think the thing that's impressive is like, you know, people always ask us, it's like, you know, well, how do I start like a, a fitness program, you know, how do I get myself in better shape? And like you're talking about, it's like, you just, you fit it in, like you make it a priority, you make it, you know, a commitment that like, I'm going to do this thing. And then when it becomes part of your routine, it's no longer a choice. It's just this thing that you do because it's a part of your lifestyle. And I think that's a really cool thing here in your story is it sounds like that's exactly what you did, where it's like, you made it a part of your life, as opposed to just this thing on your to do list that you had to get done that day. So. Yeah, Tim, that's exactly it. It always was a part of how I would fit that in. And um, yeah, I mean, for as long as I can remember now, it's, not, you know, when or if I can work out, it's when I'll be working out. Uh, yeah, so in, in, I want to take a step back. You're talking about people trying to get started. I remember when I was teaching aerobics, you know, every January, everybody comes out, they're all excited, New Year's resolutions, and they come out, I'd have women come out and Oftentimes the aerobics classes were mostly women and they'd have these little kids tennis shoes. And I said, no, no, no. I said, you cannot come back to my class until you go to um, the running store, a real running store, and they will properly fit your feet. They'll watch you walk. They will see, you know, if you pronate or not, and they will get you the right pair of shoes for your foot and your walk. And you've got to come back with these good shoes, you know, either if you're going to go run or you, at the time, you know, they have the aerobic shoes, you know, whatever you need. And luckily they would do it. They would come back with their good shoes. And I attribute that as another reason that I haven't had the injuries because I am the most frugal person in the world. I don't spend the money on my shoes because mm -hmm. you just got to have a good pair of shoes. Now when they're on sale, like I just got a great deal at Shields. It's the end of the you know, model year for that shoe. And uh, so I got them at a really good price and had a gift card. So, you know, I scored with that because I mean, the shoes I buy are $150 a pair and I kind of go, ugh, got to have the right shoes and then work up slowly. You know, that's what I always do when I start a fitness class. And I'd explain to him, I said, I want you to work real hard during this one. Um, and if you only want to do half of it, do it, leave. That's okay. 
and you're going to work up to it. And I said, the first three weeks are going to be horrible. You're going to hate it. You're going to want to leave and you're not going to want to come back. But if you can get over that three week hurdle, because I usually have them two or three days a week, they would show up. Mm -hmm. I said, you get over that three weeks, you're going to be in good shape. But just know going into it, three is going to be miserable. And so most of them come back because I kind of gave them a pretty good preview and coached them along and said, don't do too much, work up to it. And that seemed to help for a lot of people. And, and also the group fitness classes for those that need the accountability of having somebody knowing that they've got to get to that class because their friend's there, that helps for a lot of people. Well, I love what you said just about um, kind of pre-framing their expectations. That's huge. And I feel like that's kind of what is missing from today's fitness classes. It's, and I, I know this, and not because I'm in fitness classes, I work out here in my own gym, but <laughs> with my trainer who's standing right here, my sweet husband. Um, but, you know, my, my patients tell me this all the time, my friends that like, they're told to push through pain. They're told to just go, go, go. No one has ever told what you told your clients, which was, you know, go at it slow, stop when you need to. And then the three weeks, and that's so important to mm -hmm. kind of set those expectations for people in your class or whoever it is that's trying to get into a new routine. I think knowing it's okay to take it slow. That's how it should be. And that's what's going to keep them from getting injured. Well, and I think that's such a great, just kind of um, thing that carries over to how you conduct the rest of your life as well. It's like you almost never go from amateur to expert overnight, you know, and a lot of people look at people they admire, you know, whether they're athletes or even in like their circles who have been more active than them. And they think, well, that person can do that. Why can't I do that? Or they try to, you know, do the workout that like the person they admire is doing, even though they've had little, no exposure. And it's like, then they get into trouble and they think, well, exercise isn't for me. And it's like, well, maybe that exercise is not for you, but we could probably start you somewhere else where you could build up over time. But that's very rarely the conversation that we have with people when they start an exercise program. It's always thinking about like, what's the outcome, not what's the process, you know, as far as how you're going to get there. So yeah, what's, what's the journey and, you know, can you enjoy it along the way mm -hmm. and very goal oriented. So I think that helps, you know, with the running, you know, I was mentioning when I was in Michigan, I was up to, you know, about 10 miles for runs. But then after I got done with graduate school, um, we started moving all the time. I went to work for Chrysler and we knew we were going to move. So we moved about every 15 to 19 months. And so we went to St. Louis and I met some folks there because, you know, you don't know anybody when you move to town and they were running and, you know, and I was, I'd go find the running races. So that was always good. And I found this group and we decided to do a fundraiser. Uh, we said we were going to do a marathon. I'm like, well, you know, I always thought that was the dumbest idea. Why would anybody run 26.2 miles? All I agree. <laughs> that seemed like a really bad idea, but you know, we're talking about it. I'm like, Oh, that's a fundraising we'll have each other and we'd have training runs on Saturday and you know keep each other motivated it's all right we give it a whirl this so I started reading like crazy you know wanted to know what's a good training plan what's a good way to go about it and and the good news was you know everybody said start slowly you've got to have a plan you've got to work up to it the only difference I found it depended on who you were reading some said you've got to go at least 26.2 maybe 28 miles before your actual marathon some said if you make it to about 22 don't worry, you can make that last 4.2 miles. Huh. I went for that route because I thought I don't need to run 28 miles. So yeah, the first, I think I made it up to 24 miles was my longest run. And then I went and did the marathon. 
and it wasn't bad. I tried to talk to a lot of people. I mean, that's 26.2 miles. And so, you know, you run up there and you try to talk to somebody and they might talk and they might not. You knew and like, okay, have a good run, kind of keep going. But it went, it went well, but I stuck to that training plan to a T. You know, even when the weather was bad, because this was St. Louis. So we had some winter weather, uh, mm -hmm. my favorite time to run. I got some of those, you know, cold weather running tights and the, the layers, and gloves and all of that. Uh, but we did it and it was fun. And, and so then for some reason I thought, well, I did it once. I might as well do it again. So I had a friend out in Portland, Oregon, and um, she wanted to run a marathon. Couldn't find anybody to to run with her. I said, well, I'll train in St. Louis, you train in Portland, I'll fly out there, run that one. So I did, and that was really cool because you're in a different city. And same thing, I'd run up and talk to people and then some people wouldn't talk to me and we got through it. But um, the only thing I regret about that is both of those races, I ran in qualifying times for Boston because you can't just go to Boston Marathon, you have to qualify in a race. Mm -hmm. I never went and did it because I didn't know anybody who was going to Boston. I'm like, that was oh. really dumb. I should have gone to run Boston. It's the granddaddy of them all. But that's all right. But after two marathons, I was like, yeah, that's enough. I don't need to do that anymore. So I still ran after that, but not 26.2. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And what would you say to somebody who's struggling to make fitness a priority? Because I love what you're saying about goal setting, about, you know, researching even something new and following a training plan. That's not most people, but that's very wise. Yeah. So yeah. if somebody's having a hard time, like, oh, I just, I work these hours and I've got a family, like I don't have time to do it. Do you have any good advice for them since you've been through it? Yeah. One thing I think is really important. My kids and my husband, they knew that working out, that was a priority and it was just going to happen. So you mm -hmm. gotta work around a few things and this will happen. And again, when my kids were really small, they just went with me because I pushed them in the baby jogger. And uh, then when they got a little older, they could ride their bikes and, you know, I'd run, they could ride their bikes. And then when they got older, a little more self-sufficient, they just knew I was going running and this is what was going to happen. Or I was going to the gym. And so it wasn't ever really a question of how we were going to do this. It just was part of what was going to happen. And it, so it did. So that's how I fit that in. And they were supportive of that. The other part about trying to find, you know, something to get into a fitness routine what works for some people doesn't work for others. With running, you love it or you hate it. There is no in-between. Um, some people love um, yoga classes. I really don't care for yoga classes. I feel so much better when I'm done, so I go, but I find it incredibly boring, probably because I'm kind of a faster-paced kind of person. Um, the whole, you know, really getting into it, and it's the practice and shavasana at the end, I don't quite get all that. I'm there to stretch, but you know, some people it's like, that is so amazing. And that's what gets them there. So that's good. Some people, Pilates never could get into Pilates. You know, others like the group fitness classes because, you know, they've got that accountability. Somebody's there waiting for them if they don't show up. You know, some people bike riding. I know there's a lot of people around here. They'll get their big groups and they'll ride. And that's really awesome. So if you try something, you don't like it, try something else. There's probably yeah. something else that you'll really enjoy. Hmm. I love both of those points. The accountability piece, having people that are supportive of you, not just your family, but a, a group of people that are doing the same thing as you and that enjoy the same thing. And then the piece about enjoying it, because I think that's what keeps us going back because I'm opposite of you. Agree with the yoga. I have a lot of clients that do yoga. I think there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I, it's okay. I've gone. It's not like I'm drawn to it. I hate running. I am not a runner. I have to force myself to do it if I'm going to do it, but I love the strength training. So that's kind of my thing. And I, I recognize that cardio is important. 
I try and fit that in, even though to me it's boring and I really have to work at it. Um, I like high intensity interval training. I like strength training. I like sports. If I go play volleyball, I mean, that's a great workout. It's a blast for me. I would rather do something fun with people like Tim and I have a badminton set now. We have a huge backyard. We'll set that up in the backyard. Like I'd rather do that than get in the gym and train because that's fun and that's enjoyable. And I'm with my best friends. So um, I think that's great. But something else that you said that I think is huge for our listeners is that you never felt bad making yourself a priority. Your husband, your kids knew I'm going to go do this. And I see, and I think women are just notorious for this, but today it's like women just feel like they have to sacrifice themselves. And yes, having children is a sacrifice. And yes, there are seasons where like, I remember just, you know, when our kids were newborns that first year, no, I don't work out the way I do now, but I was very active and I have an active job. I don't have a desk job. So that made it a little bit easier for me. You know, I'm very fortunate. Um, I didn't have to combat that, which I teach a lot of my clients how to get around, you know, the sitting all day and the, the, research behind that and how bad that is for us. But I love that. And I think for any women listening, that's so important. Like you can't take care of anyone else if you can't take care of yourself first, you know? So we are the heart of the home. It's really important that we are healthy and strong. Like it's the best example we can set for our kids when our kids see us making ourselves a priority because to them that's normal. And then they're going to be more likely to do that when they're adults as well, which is huge. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, talking about set um, eventually I gave up on the pizzas at 2 a.m. because <laughs> yeah. one, you know, there's not too far for the weight to go up, it goes out. So <laughs> I just start making better food choices. You know, you have those milestone years at 30. That's when I ran the first marathon. I'm like, I'll go run. A That's why I did it. I was running a marathon because I was turning 30 and everybody said, you're going to gain a bunch of weight. So I'm like, ha, I can circumvent that. So I will go run. <laughs> but I've really taken a change in the eating too. And it's pretty comical now because the food choices a lot of people think are quite hilarious like I get all these vegetables I go to sprouts every week sometimes well, about every five days and I get the spinach and the cauliflower and the broccoli and the tomatoes and the carrots and three kinds of peppers and green onions and you know whatever else is around and it takes me a good 45 minutes to an hour to cut everything up and put them in plastic containers make the big salad that lasts most of the week uh, but it's right there because if it wasn't there and easy that I go in and grab it at lunch to pull those vegetables out. You know, now we're all working from home, but when you go to the office, I'd make little vegetable bags and take them with me. I probably wouldn't eat it, but I get it all set up and then I make it super easy. So now it just fits right in. And then I'll take vegetables like to the golf course. And then the good thing about that is if you offer to share your vegetables with people on the golf course, nobody will take you up on that. <laughs> all your vegetables yourself, except for my friend Lucy and my friend Amy will bring their vegetables too but uh yeah so again kind of the same philosophy of fitting the exercising in you have to fit the healthy eating in mm -hmm. well i don't eat fast food i can't tell you the last time i went to a fast food drive through it just once you get out of that habit you just don't even think about it and i probably have an upset stomach if i went and ate you know a quarter pound of a cheese and fries and mm -hmm. um i don't drink soda i you know i drink iced tea um yeah, a lot of water, tons of water. So I've got water all the time. And even in the morning with the coffee, it's coffee and water going at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'll become a part of my routine and the habits that I have. So you don't have to think about it anymore. And that's what makes it a lot easier too. Mm -hmm. I talk yeah. with people who, they, they have a hard time drinking enough water during the day. And that's just such a bizarre concept to me because I just have water with me all the time. And that's drink. what we'll tell our clients is, you know, get a big mug, maybe even that says how many ounces so they can keep track of, you know, how much should I have? I know if I 
drink three of these, that's the amount I should have throughout the day. And it's just kind of a little bit easier to have that handy. So yeah, it's like, yeah. And it sounds what you're doing is what we are always trying to encourage people to do. Like we've already talked about, like, keep it simple, like be intentional, you know, that that's really all you have to do. And like, you know, make good choices. Yeah. People always ask us for like dietary advice and exercise advice. And the thing that always strikes me is when I have these conversations with people, I always see their head nodding. It's like, we know the right things to do, but we don't consciously choose to do those things as often as we should. And like, even the water thing, my, my wife, you know, Jess here is, is much more empathetic than I am. So I, I would tell people who, who are not drinking enough water, well, I would ask them, I'm like, are, are you an adult? How old are you? You know, it's like, it, it's one of those things. It's like, you just do that. Like, you know, you're supposed to drink water. It's good for you. Right. And it's like, if you want to be in decent shape and like, you know, you, you want to feel good, like, why would you put these things in your body that like aren't food? Or if you're concerned about body composition, why would you drink your calories? You know, those type of things. And it, it, sometimes I think people just try to overcomplicate it or they try to like, hack their way around it it's like oh well if i starve myself for three days then i can eat whatever i want on the fourth day and it's like mm, I, don't, I don't think that's a real sustainable strategy for you so well, something we've done too we goal set we have journals and we kind of put our schedule in there and we go over it together and that's been huge we've been doing that for at least a year if not a couple of years now yeah. and you're better at than me but like just even us talking about our schedule because like you were saying the food prep like our food prep days make the rest of the week easier <laughs> and yes does it take a lot of that day because we're prepping dinners usually as well um as lunches and breakfast and all of that um and it does take half the day one day a week but that's been huge because it makes everything else easy and as business owners we found decision fatigue is a thing like, even for me, who knows things are healthy, if I'm at the store and I'm hungry and I went to the store now because I didn't have time earlier, like usual, and it's lunchtime and I'm hungry, I'll grab a bar. And I choose healthier bars, but like, I would rather have a salad at home. So, you know, and if I don't have it made though, I'm tired, I'm busy, I'm hungry. I totally get how it's easy to just grab that thing. But like, that's where the intentionality piece comes in. You got to look at your schedule and figure out if I really want to make my health a priority, where is my time? Like, how do I do that? And how do I set myself up for success? And I think that that's, that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll try to do two things. Like if there happens to be some show that I want to watch, okay, great. I will cut up the vegetables like Sunday morning. There's all those Sunday morning news shows. So we you know, okay, it's a great time because I can't just sit and watch TV. That's not very, it doesn't, doesn't work for me. I fall asleep. Whoops. So I'll sit there and, you know, all right, 45 minutes an hour, cut things up and there you go. You did two things at once and, you know, you got caught up on some good, feel good features and I got my salad ready for the next five days. Uh, but yeah, just you said it, it's, and I can absolutely see how people um, you know, they get busy, but they get tired. So they grab whatever or but the, the whole driving through the drive through thing. I mean, it's, it's comical, but the things that I pack up, the food that I take on the airplane, because you know, I have to take everything out of your bag. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> the TSA folks will look like there's my bag of almonds and there's like three bags of vegetables of all the variety and a bag of grapes. And, you know, and, and I, I have bars too, but the healthier version, no sugar. And they're kind of like, Oh, that's interesting snacks that you have there. Um, I get a lot of comments, but I, I am fortunate too. I have a number of friends that also like to eat healthy. So mm -hmm. it's easier. Um, but I have to say traveling with friends, we're, I play golf again, right? Yeah. Decided to play after, after college. 
my husband and I play together and we travel with a lot of other couples. So it's great. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's really hard because the only friend that I have who is as committed to working out as I am, who we travel with is my friend, Amy. And then everybody else doesn't get it. Like, you know, okay. Mm -hmm. the, the day has to evolve around this workout. And I prefer to work out before golf. Cause then you usually want a beer after golf and you know, it, it works better. And I love it when I'm traveling with Amy because I, I've got an ally there like, okay, everybody, things are stopping right now. You can all sit there and drink your coffee for an extra hour, but we're going running and uh, mm -hmm. that works out. But it's really hard when people don't have that habit and that mindset. And that's just part of what they do because they really look at you kind of funny sometimes. Yeah. The yeah. support system is huge. I think trying to do things, especially new things by yourself or switching habits alone without support is so hard. So for sure. Yeah. I would always encourage my clients if we're trying to make big changes with anything, whether it's movement, nutrition, their sleep habits, their stress management, you know, who can you get on your side here, whether it's your spouse, like you were saying, you took your kids running, can your kids help you with things or can you spend time with them while doing something that is helping your health as well? I think that's really vital. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's good. I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about Team Kira because I don't want to spend, uh, your story is phenomenal. We could probably spend another two hours talking about it, yeah. but your business is absolutely amazing. So will you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Team Kira now? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking about Team Kira. Uh, it's a startup that I'm doing with my son. So I guess all that running with him at a young age, but uh, yeah, he was a high school and college golfer. And we were sitting around one day reminiscing about um, when he was, you know, decided a little bit late in his high school career that he wanted to go play at the college level. And he really had to put himself out there and market himself to college coaches. They were not flocking to him. All the things that he didn't know what to do and how to do it. And we went on some recruiting trips and, and not prepared to talk to the coaches. And he was just kind of sitting there and, you know, said, you know I'm, I'm, I'm teaching over at the community college. I teach human relations and business communications. You know, education and, and training is really what I've always gravitated to, you know, after I got out of graduate school. Um, you know, I've run, you know, corporate training groups as well as, you know, teaching in smaller settings. And I said, we can put together a training program. We could put together something that meets the needs of high school students and their parents trying to figure out how to get through this process and really prepare them with those interpersonal or soft skills that they need to succeed. And so we say we train them for life. So they're going to succeed in sports school and life with those interpersonal skills that we, we teach them. So we put together a curricula. It's mostly short videos. We have what we call um, personal branding playbooks. So the playbooks take them through the process of how to develop their communication, how to develop their time management, their professionalism, their leadership, um, you know, how to take a look at what college is the right fit. Cause a lot of them, just like my son, he thought division one golf, he's got to go play at an SEC uh, school. And he actually ended up at a division two school. It was a really great fit for him. Never would have thought about that. Um, so that's what we do with team Kira. I mean, we get pretty excited about having, helping the next generation of athletes um, get ready for that next level, whatever that next level is. That's, I love that. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm really interested kind of going back to like that playbook that you talked about, mm -hmm. you know, as far as how you're um, helping those kids in all those areas. Do you see or do you do you have advice, you know, for things that like maybe parents, you know, like, like us, I mean, our kids are definitely not at that high school stage yet, but what, what do you feel like of all those elements you mentioned, like the communication, the time management, the leadership, those type of things, like, what, what are the things that you find like most kids now are, are really needing help with? 
It's interesting um, because I work with a number of high school students doing a lot of mentoring at the high school level and then I see them going into the college setting and then I see them in the corporate setting. So I've got them through a pretty wide stretch. Um, one of the biggest things that I think has been detrimental to all of our communication is the cell phone and text messaging. In my business communication class, which I usually teach online, I can tell the people who text message all the time and well, I just got an email from a student today because yesterday or Sunday was the last day of the semester and kind of forgot to do the last two months worth of work. So we emailed to see if by chance he might be able to make that up. And sorry, I let you know in the beginning of the semester. If there's an issue, I'll work with you. You just have to communicate with me early. Let me know what's going on. I can't do anything with you right now. He was good about it. At least he said, I know it's a long shot. But lowercase i in all of the sentences. Grammatically, it wasn't too bad, but some of the things that I see, um, you know, it's just, you can tell that, that you know, that, that text messaging is coming through loud and clear. They don't want to talk on the phone oftentimes. And so just, um, we, we came up with a new analogy. You know, I've taught a lot of corporate training classes on how to give and receive feedback, leadership classes. If you go over to the community college or any of the training companies and you look at all the training we offer to adults to work better in the workplace, learning emotional intelligence. You know, I teach that and we teach it to the high school's kids. Um, you know, time management, we teach adults time management. So we started thinking, we said, well, how do we expect high school students to be, you know, top-notch proficient with it when we're still having to teach adults that and teach it through college? Mm -hmm. if, if the athletes will look at this and if their parents look at it as a great opportunity, no matter if they go on to play at the college level or not, if they go through our Skills Beyond Drills program, that's what it's called, they are be so much further ahead than a lot of the students going into college and then going into the workforce. And we've had college interns come in and work with us because we work with high school and college interns. And they've said, wow, you know, there, there's some great things that I'm learning in here about leadership that I'm going to take back to my track team here at the college. And uh, so it's, it's really rewarding because that's what always, you know, we, we get excited about that. When people want to learn, they want to improve. Same thing what you're doing with people with health and fitness, um, mm -hmm. you know, PT, when they're proactive about it. When we have you know, these kids that want to be proactive, yeah, we get pretty excited. Sorry, see, I got excited. I talked forever. I <laughs> love it, though, because it's interesting. A couple things. The teens that we see here, I feel like it's one or the other. They're phenomenal. And so we have an hour with our clients as well. So 60 minutes, got teens with me one-on-one -on -one or with Tim one-on-one. And it's very interesting because the ones that I can tell haven't been trained in that, have no experience. I don't know if it's their parents aren't super involved with teaching them these skills or combination of too much technology and just everything in today's day and age. But I'm like, you got me for 60 minutes. Like, I'm not hard to talk to. I'm an extrovert. I think I'm pretty chatty. Like, and they, it's like pulling teeth to try and have a conversation with these kids. Mm -hmm. And I think every time I'm like, man, you are 16 or 17 what are you going to do in your career as an adult? And I think about what we do, obviously not everybody is going into our profession as PTs, but we have an hour with everybody multiple times a day. And it's not just PT that we're teaching. It's like we're conversing with our clients about their families and their jobs and the things they're struggling with, as well as teaching them all the things we want them to know to help get them better, you know, based on whatever they're seeing us for. So those are skills that are huge. Like that's the art of PT. I remember people from our PT program couple of them like could not converse with somebody and I remember thinking even at the time when I didn't know anything yet like how are you going to be a PT and work with people all day without having the ability to communicate well and hold a conversation and Tim and I are very different I'm an extrovert mm -hmm. and he's an introvert but I think both of us 
even though we're very different people and have different personalities, we still have that skill of being able to converse with people. So that's so important. And I see that as an issue with teens. And I do strongly feel it's a technology thing because as kids, we weren't texting all the time. I got my first cell phone when I was 16, when mm -hmm. I was driving. So, mm -hmm. you know, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I would, I would agree. And I would say going back to that story about PT school, you know, those people we talked about who weren't that personal, what was interesting about them was they were some of the smartest people in class. And I think that kind of speaks to what you're doing, Karen. Because so are you saying like, we're not smart? Well, we we're, not, we're not that smart. What do they say? D's equal degrees? I don't know. No, it, it wasn't that bad. But That's um, <laughs> good. But, um, the thing that, that, that got me thinking about, though, is we're talking about like all these different areas of development that you're talking about. These kids is like, you know, I, and I see this now, even with our, our oldest being in like elementary school, there's this pursuit of academic achievement. Like, can you get the grade? Can you get the great ACT score? And it's like, that's such a narrow way to define success. And like Jess is talking about to the larger issue of like, are you a, a well-developed person, which is, I mean, that's, I think the coolest thing about what you're doing with Team Cura is the fact that it's like, you're talking about communication and how to manage your time. And like, when these kids get into college, you know, I think what a lot of kids don't, don't realize, because I've had the privilege of working with a lot of college athletes, is like, it's, it's way more like work than it is like the, the typical like college experience, you know, that, that most of us had where it's like, you've got to be at practice and you've got to show up at the training table and you've got study hall and you've got, you know, training that you have to do, you know, all year round. And there's no real off season once you jump in at that college level, especially at the higher levels, you know, um, and in the big money sports. And so these kids who think that they're just going to like walk in and just like, it's going to be like, you know, permanent vacation. It's like, I think that they get surprised a lot of times by that. So. It is like a job, you know, yeah. I remember that I didn't even try to play for um, college volleyball and, and our club team is pretty good. And I mean, I, I'm not tall enough. I'm five, eight. There's, I remember watching our, I went to university of Illinois. I'm from Chicago. So that's my alma mater. And I remember watching our team play. They were really good when I was in school there and I was like, man, they're not playing at any higher of a level than I played club. They're just huge. like a football. <laughs> So maybe I could have played D3, who knows, but I didn't even try because that's what I was worried about. And, and it just wasn't for me. Um, but I didn't want a job. I wanted to go to college and be able to maybe play intramural volleyball and have fun. But I also want to be able, you know, I was kind of scared about school. Like, I'm not sure how hard it's going to be. I don't want to have to try and fit this in around a travel schedule with sports. And so, and so that was just me, you know, but some people just love their sport and that's great. But I think what you said, Tim, just knowing the expectation of it's going to be like a job. I've really got to hone in on my schedule and have goals and make sure that like my, you know, my schedule is in tune because it's, it's really difficult. It is like a full-time job along with school, yeah. which is another full-time job. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that we do, yeah, we really primarily focus on those interpersonal skills because, you know, a high school athlete can have the best um, highlight video and they might put it out there in one of those recruiting sites, but if they can't close the deal when they go talk to the coach, you know, to mm -hmm. try the roster spot, it, it's all for nothing. It, need to be able to communicate but we've also found that a lot of the athletes don't realize there's so much more than division one athletics like what rob went through mm -hmm. and we have you know one of our playbooks is around you know choosing the right school and getting the right fit so you know we talk about division one division two i mean there's even different levels within division one i'm from michigan so i went mm -hmm. to state for graduate school 
that Division I program. I went to Western Michigan for undergrad. That's a Division I program. Big difference in, you know, the TV coverage. I mean, I watch the Spartans on TV. I can't watch the Broncos on TV, you know, Western Michigan. But, you know, then there's Division Three where there isn't scholarship money, but there's grant monies. Uh, then you've got NAIA, you've got the NJCAA, National Junior College Athletic Association, the two-year schools, and that can be a really good fit for a lot of athletes. Or just, you mentioned intramurals. We had a high school intern working for us, and he was a several sport athlete all through high school. And he said, yeah, I love sports, but he said, I want to go to college, and I want to be in a fraternity, and I want to do other things as well. Um, but sometimes you can fit it all in. Um, you know, Rob, who works with me, um, he's he got engaged in February, so his fiance, Evelyn. Um, she was a good tennis name. That's our daughter's name. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know, I saw that when I saw it on your video. Like, oh, look, Evelyn, that's so cool. <laughs> uh, but she wanted to play tennis, so she went to an NAIA school where she could play tennis. She was in a sorority. Um, she's one of those real smart ones, but can carry on a conversation quite well. So she got, I don't know, a physics major and Spanish minor at the NAIA school and went over to KU and got a mechanical engineering degree. So yeah sure smart gal <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so but you needed to know what what was important to that to that athlete and what they want to do and then we can work around all those other interpersonal skills to fit where you're going to go to talk to that coach and try to market yourself and present yourself as the right fit at that school so we really focus on with our athletes it's and it's all it's primarily I was just saying when you're talking about all of this because it just reminds me of like you're you're basically building entrepreneurs I mean, sure, like these are life skills for, like you said, leadership and being in management, but man, like all the things you're talking about, I'm like, man, you need that as an entrepreneur. <laughs> and we're, we're an interesting breed, you know, that's not a lot of people that do what we do, you know, starting a small business, but um, yeah, those are amazing skills, so. Yeah, and it's primarily online. I forgot to mention that, but that's yeah. uh, short videos in the playbooks uh, online so they can access it because when we go back to, to normal times, you know, they're super busy. So trying to fit this in, it's purposely designed so they can fit in small little lessons when they've got some time, when they're traveling, you know, to a tournament or, you know, downtime, you know, on a weekend tournament, there's always time in between games and, and they can fit it in when it fits in. Love that. So Karen, how do people find you? I mean, what you're doing uh, is phenomenal. I want yeah. them to be able to find your website, yeah, find your company. Kira, yeah. 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 It's www.teamkira. Kira is C-U-R-A dot com and cura is latin for caring we care about our athletes mm -hmm. so cura.com cool love it. and yeah i love that it's online i mean anyone in the country can come find you i mean we're local to yeah. kansas city but you don't have to be local to oh find Karen yeah we work own. with we work with athletes all around the country and uh, one of the really nice things that we've learned now is um you know we, we're starting to do some virtual workshops so we can get a lot of athletes together and um, they're, they're pretty effective. So that's a, one way that we're introducing ourselves you know, to the marketplace and try to work with some of the club organizations and different groups. Uh, we've done some live workshops when we could, and now we found that virtual works really well too. Um, so kind of compliment them. Technology is amazing. Well, <laughs> the good news now is everybody's learned what we already knew, because I've been teaching online at the community college for years. Um, I, online training does work. You have to design it right, and that's why we've designed it in such a way. But it can be very, very effective, and now people understand that, and they're more ready for that. So we've definitely seen an uh, you know, increased interest and, and realized, oh, yeah, this can work. That's cool. Yeah, and really great for the way you guys are trying to roll things out with Team Cura, mm -hmm. too. So. Yeah. 
Well, Karen, cool. we could talk forever. We will have to have yeah. you on again because I know there's a lot more we can discuss with Team Kira, especially as things develop because you're a year old or are you older? Yeah, uh, coming up on a year. Yeah, yeah which yeah. I mean, so much uh, potential there and even just talking about like more specifics with your um, active lifestyle, we would love to hear more about that. So we'll get you back on sometime in the future. And we appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time. And I think that people are gonna really benefit from this. So we appreciate you. Absolutely. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad to, glad to. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Kansas City Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at RestoreThrive.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Restore Thrive is the home to Kansas City's top physical therapy and performance training practice. We're all about helping active individuals and athletes get back to the activities and sports they love without pills, injections, or surgeries. At our core, we believe that you should be able to grow strong and age gracefully. So whether you're trying to get ready for your next race, ready for your next workout, ready to keep up with your kids, pretty much ready to win at the game of life. Check us out and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Restore Thrive. Until next time, be well, everyone.